Blog Talk Radio. everything you want it to be? Are you living a fulfilled, passionate life empowered with choices that ignite you to the next level? Good love makes your whole life better. So join America's good love doctor, Dr. Brenda Wade, on a journey to your healthiest life yet. A regular on Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew, she's appeared on Oprah, Good Morning America, and is featured in countless publications from USA Today to Essence Magazine. The creator of life-changing Get Unstuck Now, Love, Money, and Save a Seminars, she's counseled millions, but today she's here just for you with the hottest topics, guests, and trends. This is Good Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Good Love radio podcast. I'm so excited to be with you. I'm Dr. Brenda Wade, your Good Love Doctor. Oh, my God, we're going to be talking about food today. I just got back from taping the Dr. Oz show last week in New York City dealing with a very, very sad case of a young mother, she's only 29, with young children who has such a severe eating problem that she's had very, very major health issues as a result Now, most of you know that food is the number one addiction in America. People tend to think alcohol, drugs, sex addiction, shopping, any of the other 13 addictions, but it's food that's number one. Why? Because you have to eat. And it was Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis who said it best. She said, why is it that America is the one country in the world that is obsessed with being thin, yet... Our national pastime is food. So it's quite a dynamic to work with. And we are going to talk today about all the ways that you can become addicted to food, have what we call an eating disorder. And some of us don't really have the eating disorder, but our relationship with food is messed up. And I promise you that at the end of the show, you're going to have some tools and information to help you. And speaking of Dr. Oz, the wonderful actor, Diane Keaton, did an interview with Dr. Oz where she talked about what she called the lowest point of her life. And, of course, it had to do with food because Diane in her 20s was battling bulimia. She said that at one point she consumed up to 20 thousand calories in a day now could that be true well here's a quote from our guest today our guest is angela howell who said absolutely it can be true i'm going to paraphrase just a little bit she said if you look up the calories in half a gallon of ice cream you take the serving size 
calories and multiply it by the number of servings in that half gallon, and guess what? Probably got 20,000 calories there, everybody. And usually people are having that half gallon of ice cream at the end of a binge. So there's a lot more calories that have been consumed before that binge comes to a close. So the daily calories can be exponential. And for people who turn to junk food or fast food, it is so easy to multiply those calories. So I want to tell you about Angela Howell. Angela is here today because she is going to share from her own personal reservoir of pain and reveal how she actually overcame a food addiction. And as always, we are going to focus on love because most people don't realize that if you have a problem with food, you have a problem with love. Food numbs you out. How can you feel sexy and connect if you're numbed out? Food makes you feel ashamed of yourself. That means you don't want to be vulnerable and reveal yourself to someone else. So we're going to talk about all that and more, how food stops love. So we're going to deal with why good love is essential to your greatness, And, of course, how to identify negative love patterns. And in this case, it can be food patterns that are blocking you from true intimacy. And how can you break the chains of what happened back then that, in fact, may be causing your eating and be free to experience the love that is available to you right now? Now, we have a mantra for this program. You all know this mantra by now. If you don't, and this is your first time joining us, welcome, and you're going to do the mantra with me. It goes like this. It's very simple. I am worthy. Say that to yourself or out loud if you can. I am worthy. And then add, I am deserving. I am deserving. And I am so lovable. I am so lovable. I am worthy, I am deserving, and I am so lovable. I am worthy, I am deserving, and I am so lovable. I want you to remember that. Chant it to yourself. Say it every day, especially just before you go to sleep. So your brain can work on that all night and help you get a new brain pattern that you are lovable. And if you don't believe it, then we certainly have the right affirmation. So let me introduce Angela Howell for developing an eating disorder at an early age, was able to fight her way back. And she says, too many young women in particular hide from their illness, and that is the biggest tragedy. Everyone, please welcome the author of the upcoming book, Finding the Gift, How My Eating Disorder Saved My Life, and Finding the Gift daily 365 meditations in nature and other life lessons and the author of the best-selling book celebrating 365 days of gratitude available available in stores now and online here she is angela howell hi angela hi dr wade it's so good to be with you it's my pleasure this is a big topic and we're going to be doing a series 
on this topic, and you are kicking it off with us. We've got three more shows on how food stops love. But first, tell us a little about you, Angela. I would love to. I I grew up in a family where everyone looked good, and I joke that everybody's body was everybody's business. Everybody was focused on weight, and it didn't matter how old you were. And I was really confused because I heard all the dieting-type messages, but then at night I would see my uh, father eat, like, lots of ice cream and cereal and uh, I would just see binge behavior in both parents, and as a child, it was very confusing. Um, my family ended up, my parents ended up divorcing, and it was not a good situation, and I felt a little lost in that. And now, my Angel, can disorder, I ask you something before you oh, yes, move on? Yes, when yes. you say you saw binge behavior, describe for all of us, what is binge behavior? Well, for me as a child, what I saw was a parent who talked all day about dieting and did all sorts of exercising, but then at night I saw them consume lots of calories, uh, huge bowls of ice cream or huge bowls of cereal, lots and lots of cookies, and it was very confusing. It, It was a lot of food. Now, what's the difference between binge behavior and overeating? You know, that's a really uh, good question, and I I think there's a fine line in there somewhere. Um, For me, in my own experience, there's definitely a difference where I've crossed the line and I'm starting to feel really bad about my behavior. Hmm. So you would say it's about crossing the line and feeling bad about your behavior. You know, it's funny, that was the first question Dr. Oz asked me, what's the difference between binging and overeating? And I'm going to talk a little more about that later because I want to come back to your story. You're watching your parents binge, but everybody is, you know, in that Jackie O space, obsessed with being thin. Were they actually thin? Yes, they 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 were. They compensated with all the dieting and the exercising. So basically I learned that you can compensate. You can have the food that you want and you can compensate. But I, I suffered from anorexia as well as bulimia. And what kicked in for me with the anorexia was when we all went to an ice cream store just out of the blue, and I don't know why that night I just didn't feel like ice cream. It seemed normal to me. But my mother said, wow. You, that's, you've just got so much willpower. And I grew up not getting very much attention. And I thought to myself, I don't know what willpower is, but I'm glad I have it. And it seems like it shows up if I don't eat. And that gets my mother's attention and she praises me. So I sort of stored that away in my memory. God, how old were you when that happened? I was eight. Eight years old and you were already worrying about food? I really wasn't worried about it at that point. It just was it just anchored in my mind that to get my mother's praise, I just have to not eat. And then fast forward to about 13, I'm kind of engaging in the behavior by this point. You know, when we baked cookies, I would eat a lot, then I would regret the next day. I would run extra miles to try to burn it off. And at 13, my stepmother 
made a big batch of cookies. We'd eaten a lot of the dough, a lot of the, the cookies. And I said, ah, oh, I wish I could just throw this up so I wouldn't have to go exercise so much tomorrow. And she gave me Epicac, which you may know is Your a poison control substance. Your gave you Epicac? My stepmother. Oh, my God. Now, tell people what Epicac is for those who Epicac, don't. Epicac, right. I hate to plant seeds. I hope we don't have too many young listeners getting ideas because I never knew that was such a thing. But it, it's a poison control stuff, substance that you drink to make yourself vomit. Oh, and, and it's a terrible, terrible it. thing that's so hard on the body. And anybody mm-hmm. who's listening, please, please, I beg you, get help. If any part of you is tempted to hurt yourself in this way because the damage it does to the body and the brain will come back to later, but it's a terrible thing. So here you are with 13, your stepmother who should have been protecting you, I'm sorry to get all in your business, but she should have been protecting you, gives you Epicac. Right, and I never needed that again. It just was enough to plant the seed that, oh, this is another way that I can get rid of and compensate for those calories that I've ingested. And it, you know, it just planted that seed, and it also created a numbing effect. So... For me, purging became a way to express, uh, and I know this sounds crazy, but but it became a way for me to express when in many other ways I was quiet and I couldn't express with words. And so I would, it was almost like rage. Purging was rage for me, but then it it creates a numbing feeling, exactly like what you were talking about earlier. Just, I mean, it's, 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 I felt drugged. It just numbed me out. And I didn't feel any more pain. Mm. So this is that terrible, vicious cycle that we see with every addiction. All addictions, everybody might want to write this down, all addictions have to do with achieving an effect. And the effect of every addiction is not to feel pain. Mm. Nobody becomes addicted because they're oh so happy and just enjoying themselves. There is some underlying pain, and I want you to remember that, because the good news is we can heal that pain. We can absolutely absolutely deal with it. Now, Angela, from age 13 until when were you caught in this vicious, painful cycle with binging and purging? And purging means throwing up, everybody. Right, and it it can also mean uh, two, three hours of exercise. Mm -hmm. So for the next Four years, I starved. I would go on uh, 10 days of eating nothing but salad and popcorn while running five miles a day. Um, one time I decided Probably. if I could run five, I could run 10. So I ran 10 on that diet and passed out in the shower afterwards. Oh. Um, I, you know, So I did the exercise. And then if I did eat, if I was in a binging kind of mode, then I either worked out to burn it off or I would purge. So it was a vicious cycle. And with the pain that you're talking about, you know, a lot of times they say the only way uh, to stop the pain or the shame of what you just did is to do it again. And that's just what hooks you in. But by 17, I was feeling so depressed. I was so ashamed of my behavior. There, there was no eating disorder awareness back then. You know, I speak in high schools now and even middle schools to kids to, to you know, tell them my story 
And no one did that. I really thought I was just very, very weird. And I heard that one of my former best friends was in the hospital for anorexia, so I looked it up, and I said, oh, my gosh, that's what I do. I want help, too. And I got into my first treatment center. I was in the hospital for four months. And I learned a lot, but I think at that point I was just too young. And unfortunately, within four days of getting out, I was over a toilet again. Mm, But the good news was you knew there was such a thing as help, and you went for it. Absolutely. And so once you know that, you know in the back of your mind, even if you engage in the behavior again, you do know there is hope and you know where to go. And so I ended up going to treatment again about maybe four years later. And I still, at that point, Brenda, uh, Dr. Wade, I'm sorry, I was I was purging blood. I oh. therapy. She, oh. My therapist said, I'm going to commit you. you. You could die the next time you could die. And my addiction was so powerful, I could not stop. And I knew, I knew I was going to die. She said, stop now or I'm really going to commit you. So I resolved, my firmest resolve ever, I am not going to do this again. And I didn't last 24 hours. Mm, right. And so I checked myself in, but my motivation was just to not die. I still wasn't ready to live. And so a year later, because I, I went to treatment for two months that time, came back out, didn't even last a week. But a year later... I was done. I was ready to stop this for good. I was ready to have a life. I went to another treatment center. It only took four weeks. And I'm not saying it was easy when I got out. It it was tough. But one day at a time, I got some time under my belt and uh, got a lot of help, a lot of support. And that was 22 years ago. My God. Now, what does treatment actually consist of for an eating disorder? What did you go through? Start us on that journey with you. You know, it's really tricky because it is an addiction. And so the underlying need for love, for approval, for worth, all of that drives the the, the addiction. The difference with an eating disorder is I've got to take the lion out of the cage at least three times a day. I can't throw it all out of the house and never touch the stuff again. So it's very important to be in a facility that can manage my relationship with food and relearning what that relationship looks like while also working on all the pain that underlies the addiction. And so I had lots of therapy that I had very controlled meals. The final place, they knew every trick in the book for hiding food, hiding food in the milk carton, separating the food to make it look like more was gone than what really was gone. All the different tricks, putting food in a napkin so that they didn't think I, so they thought I'd ate it all, but I had hid some. I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom for 30 minutes following a meal. I did not have access to a bathroom at night. Um, those are the things that kind of come. I had to eat everything wow. on my plate. Everything on wow. my plate. I, one time they fed us beets and onions. And I had to sit there and cry and eat it. They just did not allow any game playing. So, you know, you couldn't 
say you were full or you didn't like it. Whatever they served, I had to eat it. And it's kind of scary Ooh, to. That you know, is you don't scary, but you know what? You are reprogramming, literally reprogramming your brain. Because the truth is, all addiction, everybody, the brain plays a huge role. Once the brain falls into those patterns, the reason we can't stop without help is that those patterns continue to cycle in our brain. Everybody's got a pattern for brushing their teeth. You have a pattern for driving your car. And you've all had this experience. We all have. You drive your car and you look up and go, oh, my God, I've gone 20 miles. And I wasn't even aware I was driving. Well, who was driving your car? That was your mm-hmm. habit brain. So what mm-hmm. you're sharing with us, Angela, is how you broke those habits in your brain by being in a structured program where your brain had to reset to normal. And before right. I had back to face into my normal fears. Pattern. Yeah. So what were the fears? What were the fears that drove this little girl to eat and then created this terrible addiction where, whether you liked it or not, your brain was now caught in the pattern? Well, the fears I was speaking of was actually uh, fearful of certain foods, so I can I can come back to that. But your mantra, if I had firmly believed your mantra at eight years old, I never would have developed an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. I did not believe I was worthy. I did not believe I was deserving. I did not believe I was lovable. And I had so much pain in my world, and I felt so much uncertainty and so so much of a loss of control that it be, that my eating disorder became my illusion of control. When I was purging blood, I felt so powerful. I felt, wow, I am controlling my body. Look what I can make it do. And oh, let me wow. say right here... An eating disorder is a mental illness. That is not yeah. a rational thought. That's a crazy thought. You're not thinking straight. And I remember at that time, I remember a cousin telling me, stop it. Why won't you just stop it? I'm not in my right mind at that moment. Yeah. It's You're not as simple as just over. stopping it. It's like it. being possessed. It's like yes. possessed. Now, the good news is help is available, and it works clearly. This worked for you. And I appreciate your saying, you know, the thinking that happens when people are addicted, it's crazy thinking. I was Mm -hmm. actually doing an intervention with someone a few weeks ago, and she was saying some of the craziest things about abandoning her children and, and leaving because she was being forced into treatment and how dare people do this to her. And, you know, everyone in the room could sit there and go, she's nuts. She needs help, mm-hmm. but she mm-hmm. thought what she was saying made sense. It wasn't until she was in her second week of treatment and the brain began to clear up that she went, God, I was really crazy, wasn't I? Yes. So don't believe your thinking if you're listening to Angela's story and listening to this program. Don't believe your thinking. If you're thinking, I can do it alone, no, you can't. Addiction requires a team to help, and we have all kinds of resources. A treatment program is one. Ansel, what are some of the other resources that are available? Well, what really saved my life, the, the treatment centers were necessary for me because I had, I had no clue how to eat, 
how much to eat. I was terrified of certain foods. I didn't eat cheese. I couldn't eat butter. And in the treatment center, they would serve things normally with butter on a roll, and I had to eat it. And and what it taught me was I didn't become a balloon overnight. It taught me that I can eat any food in moderation. So, so But that was like my launching pad. There is a 12-step program that I believe saved my life because the the treatment center launched me. But when I got home, I went to Overeaters Anonymous, which Great. for someone who is of normal size, at first that felt a little uncomfortable um, because there are there are people of all sizes there that um, it's easy to look at me and say, what are you doing here at Overeaters Anonymous? But Overeaters Anonymous is a support group for anyone with any sort of food addiction. Exactly. And I worked the 12-step program, which has been around for years and helped many people with many addictions. I had a sponsor. 80 um, years, to be specific. Wow, okay, yes. yeah. AA was the first program, and it's the 80th anniversary right now. I probably went to five meetings a week because I needed that much support. I needed to go in and voice that I am freaking out. I'm gaining weight. My doctor's making me weigh. I'm having to get on that scale. That alone makes me want to freak out. Mm-hmm. And I'm having to eat this, and I'm, I really am feeling stressed today, and I want to throw up. I had to just be able to dump that out of my and mouth be in a in the room form of where words. Somebody nods their head and says, "I understand." Exactly. And that's the importance of support is being in a room of people who don't think you're crazy, but who know the difference between sane thoughts and crazy thoughts, and who will help. So support is key, and there's there are specific steps to follow. There's also another food program I'll mention, which is Food Addicts Anonymous. And that Mm -hmm. also deals with a variety of food addictions. So check out those programs. There is so much research that shows that support is one of the keys to making whatever changes we need to make in our lives. So that is the number one thing. So we're going to give some steps, if that's okay, Angela. What are the first steps that you would give people? Because I know you've covered these in your work and in your books. The first step is to admit you have a problem. Someone cannot uh, force you to get well until you want to get well. That's a huge hurdle to overcome is to recognize there's a problem and you don't want it to be that way any longer. And if you think there might be a problem, please trust me. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Just say, you know, if I'm thinking there might be a problem, there probably is. Let me just go ahead and get some help so that I can make sure I'm giving myself a chance to have the best possible life. When we were talking to the young woman that you're all going to meet on the Dr. Oz show on November 18th when that show airs, she actually said she was numbed out toward her husband. And that general numbing out you talked about, Angela, that gets in the way of relationships, doesn't it? Absolutely, it does. You you can't relate to people when your mind is constantly focusing on what you're going to eat next, what did you eat five minutes ago, how are you going to get rid of it. It's a complete obsession that takes over your entire world. It's all you can think about. Yeah. So 
number one, we're going to admit there's a problem, and if we even suspect there's a problem, we're going to assume there is one because we don't suspect things that aren't true and get some help. And what kind of help? You're recommending 12-step program, possibly some sort of treatment center, and there are lots and lots and lots of treatment centers. Everybody get your fingers on Google if you think you need that kind of help, and you will find them. Another great resource, we I uh, work in partnership here in Tennessee with the Eating Disorder Coalition of Tennessee, and other states may have their own resources, but there's there's so many uh, people out there with, with help for these kinds of problems. You just have to start looking. And, and you know, once you recognize you have a problem, tell somebody. It's our secrets that keep us sick. Oh, my God. But once we shed some light on it, we don't die. And it's, it's like we've opened the door to help. Yes. I was talking with John Bradshaw once, who was one of the people who started uh, shedding light on family secrets and recovery. And John said, we're only as sick as our secrets. So no more keeping mm-hmm. secrets. All right, so we've got three steps. Everybody got those three steps down? Admit there's a problem. If you suspect there's one, there is one. Tell somebody the truth that you think you've got this problem. Reach out for help. We have three resources Angela just named. You have Overeaters Anonymous. You've got food addiction coalitions in various areas, and you can go online to Google and find all sorts of treatment centers, help groups, support, therapists who specialize in treating food addiction. All of that is available. This is a great website. Which one? Uh, It's NIDA, N like Nancy, E, I should just say what it stands for. It's the National Eating Disorders website. It's uh, N like National, E like Eating, D like disorders, A. Sorry, I'm saying this wrong. It's it's nedawareness.org. Nedawareness.org. You know what? We'll get that from you, and we'll put that up. Okay. With the it's show. a wonderful Let's organization. Post. Now we have a question. I want to make sure we get to this question. Okay. Came in via Facebook when someone found out we were interviewing you. Oh, this is sad. She says I'm 17 years old. And I have been overeating for years, and I just recently discovered I could make myself throw up. What should I do? Mm. I'm just sorry that she is in that place. And I want to say that it's very, very dangerous. She's at a point where she's just discovered this, and she's got a choice to get help before that gets entrenched further. So I would tell a parent, if that's a possibility, and if there's no parental support, tell a teacher, a guidance counselor, that would be a great place to start if she's still in high school. Mm, yes. I don't know if she's tell in high somebody. school or not. That's all we've got. But tell somebody that's the first step. And thank yes. you for your question. We appreciate that. That came in anonymously. All right. Angela, parting shot. What would you say is most important about your recovery? Wow, that's hard to summarize. I look back time where there was no way out. I could not stop doing the behavior. And somehow 
I was spared from, you know, going down that path indefinitely. So when I face struggles today that seem impossible, I always look back and think that seemed impossible too. So I give my own self hope that even though I'm in a situation that feels impossible, nothing's impossible. And I just want to share that message of hope, whether it is an eating disorder or whatever the source of pain is that feels like it will never stop, it can stop and things can get better. Oh, I love that message, Angela. And everyone take that to heart because that message of hope is crucial. We all are facing challenges of one kind or the other. And when we face a challenge here on Good Love Radio, we have that mantra, I am worthy, I'm deserving, and I am so lovable. And you keep working until your brain begins to acquire that new thinking pattern. But the other thing is, more than anything else, it is possible to make change. Angela is a great example of that. And I do want you to stay in touch with her. I always ask all of our listeners, please buy the books of the experts who are on the show. Please stay in touch with me. You can reach me at drbrendaway.com or hit me back on Facebook like the person who sent the question. It's Dr. Brenda Wade. Or follow us on Twitter, Dr. Brenda Wade. We have wonderful guests like Angela Howell on the show every week. And we have a free gift for you. I want you to know that we have a free teleseminar called Five Secrets to Healthy Eating You Wish You Knew. Now, Angela's book belongs on your bookshelf. If you or someone you love has struggled with eating, she has 365 days of gratitude. That's one of the ways to fight anxiety and depression. Gratitude is is like magic. She's also got her new book coming out, Finding the Gift, How My Eating Disorder Saved My Life. And she'll also have the Finding the Gift daily meditations in nature and other life lessons. So be very, very aware. Help is available. Her website is www.findingthegift.com. That's www.findingthegift.com. And, and I Angela, do have a gift for them if they go oh, to the website. Oh, lovely. We love to give I, away gifts here. Go right yes, ahead. I have got the top ten secrets to finding the gift in their own life. And all they have to do is give me their email where they want that sent to, and I will send that to them. And I'm loading the uh, site now with blogs to give them hope, and I'll have plenty of articles that I find helpful for eating disorder recovery. Beautiful. All right, lots of resources. You can't get too much help on this journey to a healthy life, healthy eating. It requires a team. And everyone, tell the truth to someone, recognize there's a problem, reach out for help, and above all, know that you're worthy and deserving and lovable. Thank you, Angela Howell. We look forward to being with you again next week if you're able to DVR or tune in to the Dr. Oz show on November 18th. I'm thrilled to be talking about this and working on it with Natalie on the Dr. Oz show. And stay in touch, drbrendawade.com, or hit us back, Facebook, Twitter. 
And everyone, I'm sending you love and blessings. We'll be with you again next week. And thank you to our producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning. Okay, everyone, bye till next time. Thank you.